Take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. As a preacher, I find myself, I, I feel that I'm actually quite different than a lot of preachers. Not better, not worse, just I think I'm different in my preparation because generally what I've seen in preachers is they have one style and they, they try, I, I kind of classify them in categories. They're either yell at babies when they cry or, uh, no, uh, they, they generally are very dynamic or they're a very good teacher, but generally they try not um, venturing out of what they're comfortable with. And usually I try kind of being very uh, out front and kind of flamboyant, boisterous. But tonight I feel like in my preparation, the Lord made very clear to me that he doesn't want two things to happen tonight. He doesn't want this to be a uh, shouting type sermon, and he doesn't want this to be a long sermon. And the last one, you're all like, praise God, amen. Thank you, amen, brother. Amen. That's what you're thinking. And so hopefully I can obey the Lord in at least one of those. Amen. Um, but I really do. I, I don't feel like I probably won't venture far from this pulpit. and It probably won't be very long. And I, I think that I'll make a deal with you that the sermon won't be very long if you promise to pay attention. See, and what happens in a 45-minute sermon is our mind wanders. And while the preacher's trying to take us to the, from this point to that point, we get lost. And I hope tonight that that's what the Lord showed me. He doesn't want this to be long. He does want it to be effective, though, because it's from His Word. So, Exodus chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 1, Then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Je Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cain and the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard their groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant, wherefore saying to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, thy God, the God, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. And with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into a land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Now, there's many people in the Bible that I would have enjoyed being them on a certain occasion or a certain day. My mind goes to Elijah as he's on Mount Carmel, which is one of my very favorite stories in all the Bible. It's kind of very dramatic. It's also quite humorous. I think that's something that makes a good movie. It's something that's funny, but very dramatic. It has its ups and its downs, its highs and its lows. And Mount Carmel had that. You had Elijah there, and 
and he was dealing with a wicked king and a wicked queen. He's dealing with an apostate culture. And uh, he challenges them. So there's a little bit of competition in there. I think that makes for a good story. And uh, Elijah basically tells them, my God versus your God. And they put them together. And what's funny is, though the prophets of Baal were very zealous for their God, unfortunately their God doesn't exist. Well, not unfortunately, but unfortunately for them. And it's kind of funny because as they're doing all these amazing works to try getting their God's attention, and the reason that I think that I could have been Elijah on this day is he was very sarcastic to them. And actually began to mock them and said, maybe your God's asleep, or maybe he's on a long journey. You should probably try screaming louder, maybe he'll hear you then. But at the end of the day, obviously, Elijah wins as he, the Lord calls, gives fire to Elijah and, and consumes the offering there, the altar, and it's an amazing story. I think I would like to have been Elijah, but one of the people that I just could not see myself being is Moses. You know why? Because he dealt with the most complaining people in all the Bible. Even after amazing victories, it was like just a couple minutes later, they were crying out how God wasn't fair to them and how life was better in Egypt. And it's almost sad to see how on and off again they were. In fact, I actually compare it to pastoring a Baptist church (laughs) at times. I couldn't see myself being Moses as he would have had to lead those people. But you have to admit, by the end of Moses' life, he was a great leader for God. He was a great man. But there was a huge learning curve in his life. He wasn't the leader that he should have been early on, but he finally became that. I think our passage tonight is a very instrumental time in his life for learning those lessons that God requires of godly leaders. Tonight, that's what I want to talk to you about. Three lessons that every godly leader must have and must learn at some point in their life. I want to share with you, first of all, in verse number one, as a godly leader, you must understand this that endeavors in our own strength will always be frustrating. You know why they're frustrating? Because when we do them in our own strength, just enough of them succeed to keep us hopeful, and plenty of them fail just to discourage us. And that's what happens is we, we, are, we do have skill and we do have wisdom to some degree, and so we, we try applying our talents and our experiences to certain things in our life, And just enough of it works out so that we're like, hey, I can do it this way. And just enough of it fails for us to understand we can't do it by ourselves. And Moses experienced that. In verse number 20 or 30, I'm sorry, verse 22 and 23 of chapter 5, the Bible says, now this is the chapter before, we read this last week, Moses up until this point, has kind of gone in his own strength. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Verse number 22 of chapter 5, And Moses returned returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. And Moses here comes to God and says, why did you even send me? Since I have gone to Pharaoh, nothing's worked out. 
since I decided to follow you in faith, it seems like everything's gone wrong. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do. So that was the difference, is although Moses had gone, he had not gone in the strength of the Lord. That's why he comes back to the Lord and says, Lord, it just seems like everything's not working out like you said it would. Since I went to Pharaoh, and God's like, I never sent you to Pharaoh, but in my name. And while you went, you did not go the correct way. Going doesn't mean you're going in God's strength. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And that's a good verse. We ought to be strong. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It says, and in the power of His might. Strength doesn't come from us. At the best, we are weak. The Bible says the flesh is, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the arm of flesh will fail you. And so when we trust in ourselves, what happens is we, we, we try applying our gifts and our talents and our experiences, but they're just frustrating because it doesn't seem to work out. And that's where Moses is. But just because we go in God's strength doesn't mean, or just because we go doesn't mean we go in God's strength. Secondly, and this is the way that I would ask you to evaluate whether or not you're going in your strength or going in God's strength, is our attitude is the determining factor as to whose strength we're going in. Well, I'll tell you what, I enjoy the handshaking time in our church. I'll tell you what, there are some people I would just rather not shake their hand. Not because I don't love them, not because I don't care for them, but because I just hear a bunch of bad news when I shake their hand. When I ask how you are, I'm not actually asking how terrible you are. Because there's a whole lot of other people I've got to shake their hands. I say, hey, how are you? Well, let me tell you, brother. Life's just been rough this last week, and uh, I just don't think we're going to make it through. And you know what I'm talking about? It seems like there's always people discouraged. It's like... Nothing ever works out for them. You know what I have to say to that person? You're fighting too many battles in your own strength. When we have God on our side, man, we ought to be happy. Now I say, boy, a lot of stuff didn't work out this past week, but I tell you what, God's going to fix it this next week, and that's the way our God works. Sometimes it may be difficult, but we can trust that the Lord has good for us. David's life wasn't always easy. Things weren't always on the up and up for David, but David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Now, that's one thing I'm thankful y'all have never met about doing to your pastor. The people were speaking about stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Notice this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Although David's surroundings were terrible, you know where he went to find peace? The Lord. David understood he could not be a good king in his own strength. He had to trust in the hand of the Lord. Sometimes our attitudes tell too many people that we're just fighting this fight in our own strength. And every time we do that, our purposes and our endeavors will always be frustrating. Secondly, I want you to notice this. Engaging God in our life allows us to learn more about Him. You know, one of the reasons that you ought to try getting God in on your life is not because He has all the answers, although He does. 
And God can fix problems in your life that you just couldn't work it out to fix them yourself. But really one of the reasons we ought to ask God in our life is because when God works in our life, it teaches us a great deal about Him. Knowledge is valuable, but I must say that knowledge about the Lord of Lords and the creators of the universe, that is amazing knowledge to have. Our experiences can deepen our understanding about the Lord. I want you to notice this in verse number 3. The Bible says, And I appeared unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. What's unique about this is earlier when God first revealed himself to Moses, Moses, or God out of the burning bush said these words, I am that I am. And we've talked a little bit about that in this study. And that was to exist. I am that I am. But what he's saying here, the word Jehovah, it means the existent one. What, what happened was Moses heard God's word, but he did not learn the principle behind the matter. He did not understand the fullness of God's promise. And while God was trying to teach him more about himself, God said, Although I was not revealed unto your forefathers like this, Moses, I want to reveal myself deeper to you than I did even to Abraham and even to Isaac. I want to teach you an amazing lesson if you'll follow me. Jehovah was such a holy name to the Jews that when they pronounced it, they actually substituted the word Adonai in place of the word Jehovah. They didn't say the word because it was too holy and too special. And that's what God was trying to teach Moses, was Moses, I do not depend on anyone. I am not dependent on any circumstances. I am the Lord Jehovah, and I can help you in this time. And our experiences, when we ask God into our life, and we say, God, handle my finances. God, handle my relationship with my family. God, handle my attitudes at work. When we ask God to handle those things in our life, what He does is He teaches us more about Himself through those experiences. But our understanding can encourage our faith. Our understanding can encourage our faith. Now, as God is trying to deepen His under, Moses' understanding through His experience, now God is asking Moses to deepen his faith through the understanding that, he, that he's now attained of God. You say, what do I mean? Well, the word Jehovah is more than just the existent one. The word Jehovah was only used one time a year for the Jews. That was the Day of Atonement as the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies to apply the blood. And as he would enter that, that day, that, that one special day, he was able to use the word Jehovah. You know why? Because he was completing God's plan for salvation that day. Uh, the word literally means completion. It was only used to describe God when he completely had created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 2. God did not, was not known. He was known as Elohim in verse number 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Elohim. 
But in chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says the Lord God, that was Jehovah or Jehovah Elohim, meaning God completed the work that He had begun. It, it, it also used it not only for the heavens and the earth, but salvation in Revelation chapter 22 when God finally gives the salvation and eternal life and completes that work to the saints of God, God is completing that work of salvation in Revelation chapter 22. You see, God was saying to Moses here, Moses, I do not depend on others. I only depend on myself. I am existent. All creation, everything depends on me, and I complete what I start. Well, that's a good lesson for us to learn that God completes in our life everything that He starts. The Bible never teaches that God ever does anything wrong or anything halfway. I don't know about you, but I'm good about getting projects halfway done and then moving on to something else. That's not our God. Our God completes everything that He starts. And we want to take comfort in that because God that started a work in you, a good work in you, will be faithful to complete that. So if we ask God to do something in our life, we have to understand God's not going to leave us stranded. He's going to finish that. He's going to fulfill the promise that He's given us. And these experiences that we have, they teach us about our God. You know how the psalmist was able to say these words? The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. You know how he said those words? It wasn't through second-hand information. It was his own personal experiences that he had taught him those things. Now, when the Chisholm Trail Parkway opened up, the toll road there, it's really close to my house, and now, since it's been built, we can actually be in Hewlin in about 15 minutes from our house, which is actually quicker than we can make it to the Burleson Walmart, which is an amazing thing. Because that means I'm right at the big academy up on Bryant Irving that fast. So when my wife asks me to go get groceries, I go to that academy and realize they don't have any groceries. But they have a whole lot of stuff I'm interested in. But when that toll road was first put in, and I think a lot of you are going to uh, kind of know what I'm talking about, there was this idea that there was a grace period. You remember that? There was this thing going around and said, yeah, for the first month it's free because they want you to figure out where it goes. <laughs> awesome. So guess what my wife and I did? Like many of you, we traveled it frequently, thinking, hey, everything's going to be good. This is grace period. Amen. Now, I don't know who started that terrible atrocity of a rumor, but they were keeping count on every time that we traveled those roads. And I actually think that a member in our church, he can tell you who he is if he wants, I think he had about a 400 and something dollar bill on that toll road because he thought there was a grace period and there was not. Sometimes second-hand information can be quite misleading, can it not? I'm afraid that as Christians, we have learned too much about our God through what other people have said about Him. God wants you to experience Him for yourself. He doesn't want you to ask other people. He doesn't want that you to see His grace in other people's lives. He wants you to be first-hand information. And, and, and in order for us to obtain and achieve this information, you know what we must do? incorporate Him in our life so that 
through our difficulties and through our successes and through our victories, we can, like the psalmist, say, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my high tower. He is my strength, my shield, my defender. He is good. But we've learned too much through other people's testimonies. I'm thankful that God allows me to learn about Him through His personal interaction with me. We must be careful that we don't listen to what other people say and then claim it as our own because we must engage God in our daily lives so that we can learn about Him and we can see His works in our life. Thirdly, and we're done, entrusting God does not mean that everything will go without conflict. Well, one of the most horrible rumors that I've sensed in Christianity is that once we get God in our life, just everything goes away. All our troubles and all our burdens just vanish and disappear. But that's simply not true. Look at verse number 9 of our passage tonight. The Bible says, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. And he's going exactly how God wants him to go. But they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Now it seemed like if Moses is going with the right motives, he's going with the right method, he's doing everything he can, wouldn't everything work out? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Do you know how Ralph, even though you might be completely in the will of God, totally seeking God with your whole life, did you know that sometimes this world makes it hard on people like that? Job said it this way, and the verse was mentioned this morning, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Hey, it doesn't matter if you're living for God or not living for God. In the world, we will have tribulation. The Bible goes on to say, but be a good cheer for I have overcome the world. Look, we don't find peace in the fact that knowing once we know God, we won't have problems. We find peace in the fact that once we have God, we can handle our problems. It's, it's not a disappearing act. It's not something that we can just say, Lord, I'm trying to be a leader for you. Lord, I'm trying to live the life you've called me to live. But it seems like everything's going wrong. And God says, it is at this moment I want you to see me clearly. It's at this moment I want you to see your, my grace upon your life. How foolish would we be to say that the hand of God was not on the Lord Jesus' ministry? And yet every time I read about Jesus' ministry, He's teaching and somebody questions Him. Every time I read about His ministry, He performs a miracle and people chase Him out of town like the maniac of Gadara. Jesus was doing everything perfectly in line with the will of God. Jesus said, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me, the, the will of the Father. I didn't come for my own. I came to seek God's will. His whole entire purpose was to do God's ministry on this earth. And Jesus, you know, want to know the way His earthly ministry concluded here? He suffered and died on a cross because the world hated Him. Jesus' problems did not go away because He was in line with the will of God. But God helped him accomplish the will that he had for him despite the problems. Look, marriage has plenty of issues, does it not? I mean, 
There's problems in marriage. The fact that I have to share a bed with someone else, you say, that should be pleasant. No, no, no. Sometimes she snores. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't. Sometimes we roll over and we bump each other in the night. We say, we have a king-sized bed. And the reason is because I don't want to touch another human being while I'm sleeping. I want to be sleeping, amen? And if I bump you, it's going to wake me up. And then I'm going to have to roll over. And I would just rather... Lucy had it right, right? Two separate beds, and they just figured it out. That's all... Marriage has difficulties, right? Does that mean that marriage isn't of God? No. In fact, I can get through this life better because my wife is there to support me. Because you know what she's going to say when I get home tonight? Honey, that was a good sermon. And you all think, well, she's a liar. And she may be. But she helps me. And she gets me through this life. That's what God is to us. He is our help. He is our strength. And experiences and problems will come. But at the end of the day, if we have God, who can be against us? Often we think that we can handle our issues, but when we do, it's frustrating. Often we think that when we get God and we finally submit to His will, that everything's going to vanish and everything's going to be okay. That's just not found in the Bible. There's not even a verse necessarily about it because God just thought that was such a ridiculous thought that everything would go away once we met Him. No, friend. Tonight, all I'm asking you to do is, as a leader, trust God with your life. Trust Him in your hard times. Trust Him wholeheartedly. And as a leader, when we will do that, you know what will happen? We will get to know God better. We will see His life, our life, develop in Him. And we'll understand that when He handles our issues and our problems, they always turn out much better than if we do.